following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. been asking him to show us. And right now, I'm really feeling like he's showing me so much how his grace is connected to his glory. And so we had the Women's Day retreat where we talked about the generous grace of God, and I just could not help but see the connection, that his glory happens when his grace comes into a space that that there's something that happens that could not have happened without him, and so he gets glorified in that. And so I just want to make sure that we all are kind of talking about the same thing when we talk about grace. Um, Sometimes we think about grace meaning, I did something wrong, but I don't get punished, that's grace. Yes, and it's much larger than that. Grace has to do with having an empowerment, not just I did the thing wrong and I don't get punished, but that I have an ability beyond my own ability to walk in a different way. And so to walk, to walk um, in the way that was created for me or prepared for me by what Jesus did through the broken body and the shed blood. And so the other place we see grace is we hear about how God gave gifts to men so that they could display the glory of God on the earth, so that God could show up and meet people where they're at. And that word gifts is the same word that is translated in other places as grace. There's a grace that comes on our lives so that people can see the display of who God is. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about grace. We're talking about the thing that happens in my life not because of anything I did on my own that there is a a favor or an empowerment for me to step into something that really has nothing to do with my own ability and my own effort and my own earning of that thing. And that's the grace that we're talking about. And the reason that it's so connected to glory is because it's obvious when there's a grace on somebody's life for something that that was not of them. And so then we, we look to God and go, look at what God did through that person who was not capable of doing that on their own. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul talks about this treasure that we have in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be from God and not of us. That there is this reality that The earthenness of my vessel, what does that mean? It's like clay. The earthenness, the the plainness of my own vessel, when it's filled with the grace of God, then makes it clear. Well, we know that didn't come from her, so it came from God, and he receives glory in that. What's amazing is he lets us kind of partner and share with him in that, that he lets us carry that even in our earthen vessels. How many of you feel more earthen sometimes than other times? (laughs) Like sometimes it's like, yes, I'm made of clay, but I have pretty painting on me or whatever. Other times you're like, yeah, I don't don't know what this is. This is like the the five-year-old clay project. That's me, you know. We feel more earthen than other times. 
But the reality is always it's the grace of God that fills us and is something of worth that then people can say, look what God did through that life. Okay, we have the school-aged kids with us today. Do we? Yes, we do. I would like, because I'm going to, I need some of your help. And so I'd like you, if you want to come on down front, and if any parents want to come, you're welcome to come if you think that would be a necessary, helpful thing. But I want you to come on down front because I want to talk about a place where the grace of God, the power of God, allowed for his glory to be seen because it worked through somebody who was not really capable of doing what, what he needed to do. Okay? So this morning, what we're talking about is the reality that God is calling us to live a life beyond our own ability. How many of you kids have things that you are not able to do by yourself? Do you have anything that you're, you're not able to do? Like, I'd like to be able to lift a car. Could, can you do that by yourself? No. I can. Probably. Wow. I need you later to help clean up. <laughs> okay, so there's things that we just can't do by ourselves, but that's the exact life that God has invited us into. He wants to help us do things we can't do by ourselves, and he gives us something called grace to help us do it. So how many of you were here yesterday and you walked on the snowshoes? Because we had a snowshoe path yesterday and a bunch of snowshoes, okay? So when you walked on the snowshoes, on the snowshoe path, did it help you to not sink down into the snow? Yeah? So that was like a grace to walk on the path in a way that you couldn't walk without the snowshoes, right? How many of you walked halfway down the path and then one of your snowshoes fell off? Yeah? And then you've got one snowshoe on and just one boot... And so then you walk kind of like this, right? Because your boot goes through the snow, but your snowshoe helps you walk, right? So that's kind of like the grace of God. The grace of God, it gives us the ability to walk in the path that God gave us in a way that we couldn't do without it. So we know that God has called us, he's invited us into a life of, of seeing his glory but he's got to give us his grace so that we can walk in the path of that. So we're going to use, it's all over the Bible, right? All over the place. You see these amazing things that God does, but you also see this backstory of the people in the Bible he chooses. Sometimes you look at that and you go, I would not choose that person. I'm not sure why you chose him. I'm not sure why you chose her. But that he does that. And so one of those places is with Moses. How many of you know who Moses is? How many know the story of Moses? Okay. So we, I want to jump into a conversation that God is having with Moses, but we want to help everybody be caught up so they know who Moses is. Because otherwise it's like, why does this even matter? So what can you tell me about how, Moses when he was a baby? What, is, what was... What was going on with Moses when he was a baby? People were hunting him down because the Egyptians were killing all the babies, all the baby boys, because they didn't want the Hebrews to get too powerful. 
And so they were, they were killing all the baby boys. Isn't that sad? And so what happened with Moses? How come Moses didn't get killed? He got put into the river. So his mom put Moses in the river in a little basket. Man, can you imagine that? Put him in the basket. And who found him? The queen, the, the princess of, of the, of the um, kingdom, of the Egyptian palace. She found him and raised him. And was Moses raised in a palace or was Moses raised as a slave like the others? He was raised in the palace because he was found and adopted into there. Okay, so now here's another part of Moses' story. So Moses grew up in the palace. He grew up living like in the life of the palace. And one day he saw someone um, beating up another Hebrew man and, and hurting him. And what did Moses do? He killed him. He got so angry when he saw that that he killed him. And, and then somebody else saw it, and they commented about it, and he was in trouble. So then what did he do? He ran away. So Moses ran away. He was, he was saved uh, from being destroyed with all the other baby boys, and then he grew up in the palace, and then he kind of lost his temper, and then he ended up running away. What did he do when he ran away? Did anyone, does anyone know what his job was after he ran away? He ran to the desert. I'm not sure what he actually ate, but he did run to the desert. What was his job? What was he doing? Anybody know? I think Levi knows. Does Levi know? No? Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. He was a shepherd. Yep. He was raising the flocks. He was raising the flocks of his father-in-law. He got married. He had some kids. And for 40 years, he was in the desert raising... I don't know if it was goats or sheep or whatever. He was a shepherd, tending flocks. So what is amazing, though, because we look at that and we go, here's this, Moses was delivered, and, and even in some ways, I think that Moses, when he killed that Egyptian that was beating up on the, on the Hebrew, there was something he was tapping into in the calling of God on his life to be a deliverer to be a deliverer, to be one that's going to deliver the people. There's something that rose up, but he did it in his own way. He did it. He said, okay, well, here's his anger caused him to go after that, but it really wasn't, is that real? I mean, how many people would he have to kill to actually see people delivered, right? That was not the way. So, so we see that, and then he's out in the desert for 40 years, and you could go, that's the end of the story for Moses, but it's not, is it? And one of the things I want to help us to, to connect to is this reality that he said, Moses, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. And I feel like there are some of us sometimes that feel like something has disqualified me. Something I have, I've experienced, I've run away even, I've run away from maybe the thing that I thought I was called to. And there's this, I've been out here for 40 years. I think that's the end of the story. And I just want to say he's not done with you yet. That there are things that he's put in your heart and, and he's, he wants to encounter you because that's what happens next for Moses. 
Okay, so what does happen next? Moses is out, he's taking care of goats or sheep or whatever. I'm sure it's in here, we should look it up, but not, we don't have time this morning. But he's, a, he's tending his flock, so what happens next? When he's out tending his flock, what happened that changed his memory? Yeah, he found, saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning. We had a bush that was on fire last night that wasn't burning. We did. Our giant bonfires were, we could have used a little, maybe that's what was happening. We should have been like, we're here, God. Our bonfires would not burn last night. We did some of that. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Please speak to us. We'll take our shoes off. Okay, so, so this, he says, let's look at, um, this is an exodus. So the story of Moses is, really begins in Exodus, and in chapter 3, um, he was pastoring, the pa- uh, pasturing, pastoring, I was like, I didn't know Moses was a pastor. He's pasturing the flock of Jethro. See, it doesn't really say what it is, but I don't know. And, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush, just like Emery said. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. And Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that, he turned aside. God called to him from the midst of the bush. There is something about the turning aside. It says, when he turned aside, God called to him. When he turned aside, when he turned towards, then God called to him. And I believe that this is a season of turning aside. There is something, there are little, they might be small sometimes, there's little miracles that God is bringing up, and this is a moment to turn aside. Do you sometimes notice something, and you stop and you go, wait, I need to know more about that. When you see an ice cream sign, for example. But we, we have a moment where the Lord is, he's beginning to speak to us about some things and he's saying, will you turn aside so that I can speak to you? This is a holy moment. How about this? When Moses saw the burning bush, was he at church in a worship service? No, what was he doing? Chasing sheep? Yeah. Or goats, we don't know. Could have been llamas, probably not llamas. But he, he, was, he was working. He was doing his job. He was just working. And this holy moment comes into that space. I think sometimes we think holy moments only happen here. They only happen in the middle of, of worship. And we only turn aside in those moments. Oh, this is my one day a week I turn aside. But there are things that the Lord is, you're walking by just as you go throughout your day, and this is an invitation. Let's turn aside and have a holy moment with the Lord in the, in the process of what we're doing. When we're doing our schoolwork, when we're out playing with friends, 
when we're at the dinner table with our family, there are holy moments that the Lord is saying, turn aside because I have something for you. Okay, so in Exodus 1 through 9, it's basically saying, after Moses turned aside, basically, then God begins to say, Moses, here's my plan. Who, who can tell me what God's plan was? What was he telling Moses he was going to do? Set them free. He said, Moses, here's my plan. I have heard the cries, and I am going to deliver them. I am going to set them free. And Moses is going, awesome. That sounds great. You go do that. Right? That is so good. I love that plan for you. That's awesome. But the reality is then God begins to invite Moses into his plan. He begins to invite him into the plan that he had. And so do you think that God needed Moses to, to do that plan? Do you think that God really needed Moses? Yes. Do you think he needed him? Yes. I don't know. I think that if God wanted to, he could pick up all of the Israelites in his hands and just move them and plop them down right in the promised land. And the Egyptians would be like, oh my gosh, who's going to build our stuff now? He's, God is humongous. He could do anything, right? He could do anything. He didn't need Moses, but you know what? He wanted Moses. He didn't need Moses to carry out his plan, but he wanted Moses to partner with him. Parents, we can understand this. Are there times, you guys, you just don't listen for a second. Are there times when you don't really need your kids to help you with something. In fact, it would probably be easier if they weren't necessarily helping, right? Because you know, you're fast at it, and you do a good job, you know what you want to do, and you have the ability. You didn't need them, but you want them to do it with you. You want them to learn. How many of you know, I don't need them to clean my house for me, but that's not good for them. And so I invite them into it. Isn't that great, kids? <laughs> right now they're like, I don't know about this word. I like Pastor Bob. I'm just kidding. But he, God doesn't need us, but he wants, he says, come and do this with me. Here's my plan. Come and do it with me. I want you to come and be in the midst of this with me. I, I want to give you a role in this. I'm going to give you a role in my movie, for those of you who were here a couple weeks ago. I want to give you a role in my story. But this is where all the, the questions start. He's, he's extending this invitation to Moses. You know what's interesting is we think, how many of you think you're inviting God into your plan? Just me, then. Okay, so sometimes we think we're inviting God into our plan. So we think we're inviting God into our parenting. We're inviting God into our job. We're inviting God into our ministry. We're inviting God into that difficult relationship. Oh, come and, come and help me with this plan that I have. The reality is he is inviting us into his plan. 
He is inviting us into parenting. He is inviting us into this job. He is inviting us into this relationship that's difficult. He's inviting us, come do this with me. So what does it look like you or for you to turn aside in this moment as you go throughout your week? There's, I know that I know that there's going to be a moment where you go, ah, I need to see what's going on here. And it's a turn aside moment. And then what is it that he's inviting you into? Here's my plan. I'm inviting you into this. Okay, guys, I need you again. You're doing super great. How am I doing? Am I doing okay? Okay, uh, we're getting there. Okay. Um, so we're going to read on. I'm going to start in chapter 10. So here's what I want you guys to do. This is what I need your help with. When you hear Moses ask God a question, you're going to like raise your hands and go, I don't know what, question, maybe. Okay, so when I read and you hear me reading that Moses asked God a question, you're going to stop me so that we can hear what the question is, okay? So in verse 10, it says, Therefore, this is where God is inviting Moses into the plan. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. So all along, Moses is like, yay, God, good plan. Now God goes, okay, great. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Are you listening for the questions? Okay. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I would like, I, I won't hear you if you're not a little more, okay. So he said, I'm gonna, we're going to try it again. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to, wow, you guys are so quiet in church, that I should go to Pharaoh, but I can see your hands. I see that hand. That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring out the sons of Israel. So here's the first question that we ask when we have a turn aside moment and God said, here's my plan. I'm inviting you into it. We often say, what? What was his question? Who am I? Who am I? Because we are very self-focused. We are looking at ourselves, and we, we see what God's plan is, and then we look at ourselves, and we become all self-focused, and we go, who am I? Uh, like, what can I do? I don't have that ability. I don't have that, that strength. I don't have that, that uh, authority. Nobody's going to listen to me. Who am I? We look at ourselves first. Moses doubts because he's self-focused. And what's interesting, now let's listen. What do you think God's going to say? So Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and blah, blah, blah. So then does, Mo, does God go on and say, oh, Moses, you are so handsome and you are so strong and you are so brilliant. I mean, really. You are so, you were like the smartest kid in your class. Does he start telling Moses all about his wonderful qualities and how gifted he is and what a great personality he has that everybody's just so attracted to? No. Let's listen to what he says instead. He says, Certainly I will be with you. So Moses says, Who am I? God says, doesn't really matter. I will be with you. And that's how he answers us. 
We look at ourselves, but he goes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who's going with you. This is how God gets glory because we don't step into anything going, oh, that's right. I have this gifting and this gifting and this. We step in going, who am I? But he's going with me. Rather than focusing on our own selves and on our own weaknesses and and on what we're able to do. He says, I'm going with you. I'm going with you into your business. I'm going with you into your marriage. I'm going with you in that health issue. I'm going with you to your school or to your friends. I'm going with you. So when God's inviting us into part of his plan, and we go, who am I? You might say, who am I? I'm just a kid. But God says, it doesn't matter. I'm going with you. Pretty awesome, right? Has your mom or dad ever sent you to go talk to someone? Yeah? And, and you're like, I don't want to go. I'm, I don't want to talk to them. I can't. And what do they say sometimes? They'll say, it's okay. I'll go with you. So imagine that when God sends us, he says, I go with you. What about my past? Doesn't matter. I'm going with you. What about my weaknesses? Doesn't matter. I'm going with you. What about my personality? You didn't do such a great job with that. Doesn't matter. I'm going with you. So when God invites us into the plan... And we say, who am I? He says, it doesn't matter because I'm going with you. And that's what we need to stay focused on. Here's another thing. Who am I? Hmm, I'm actually just a shepherd. That's what I want to do. I don't really feel like doing that. I don't think I'm the speak to world leaders kind of person. Doesn't matter. Because I'm focused on what God's plan is and what he wants to do. There is something in us that needs to get stirred up that says, I don't care where you send me. I just want you to do everything you want to do, God. Your plan is good and perfect. I just want you to do everything you want to do. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's going to be hard. It doesn't matter that it's going to be scary. It doesn't matter that I can't do it and I don't have enough. Because I just want to... I just want you to do everything you want to do, God. That we would be so committed to that. It doesn't matter that that's not what I imagined for my life. It doesn't matter that I really like shepherding because I really don't like people. Now you're going to make me have millions of people that talk to me all the time. That was Moses' deal. doesn't matter because, God, I want you to do everything you want to do, and I'll play whatever role you want me to play in that. I have a story about this. I promise I've got one more fun thing up my sleeve. We'll hope that it works out. So I have a story about this. We went to Mexico City um, because my husband has family there, because Pastor Brian has family there. And we went to have a family vacation, but also to visit some of his family, because that's where his family's from. So he's got cousins that he hasn't seen for a long time, and aunts and uncles, and mostly cousins. Um, And so we went to Mexico City, and Josiah and Olivia were with us. And at the time, Josiah was 14, and Olivia was 6. And so you can imagine, have you ever been on a vacation where then you like go visit with a lot of people and you're like on a family trip, but then you go visit with a lot of people and they're like, none of them are your age. And so then there's a lot of like 
sitting around and talking. That was our family trip. So, so we were you know, with this, these people on this night and these people on this night, and we tried to do fun things. Or have you ever been on a family trip and there's people of multiple, like you have siblings that are older and you have siblings that are younger. And so like sometimes what they want to do for the younger siblings is like really boring to you because you're older. Or what they want to do for the older siblings is really boring because you're younger. Has that ever happened? Because it's hard for everybody to have fun doing the same thing sometimes. So this was our trip in Mexico City. We're trying to do fun things for Olivia, who's six. And we're visiting all these people. And Josiah is a trooper. He's 14. But, I mean, really, it's a lot of talking and a lot of, like, going to the park and, you know, whatever. And so we decided, as part of our trip, we're going to go to Six Flags in Mexico City and just have a day where the kids can actually have fun. Because Olivia, who's six, was also kind of bored. And so we're going to just have a day that we're just going to have fun and do super fun things for the kids. Has anyone ever been to Six Flags anywhere in the United States? It's kind of like Valley Fair. It's like an amusement park where they have lots of rides and things like that. So we go to Six Flags, and my goal of that day, because I, I loved Josiah and Olivia, but I loved Josiah, and he was kind of getting the raw end of this trip deal, was I want Josiah to get to do everything he wants to do. I want him to get to do everything he wants to do, to go on any ride he wants to go on, eat anything. We had so many churros that day. Just have any, like, just do everything that's in your heart to do because I love him and I want him to get to do that. And that was my focus. So we're, you know, having to divide and conquer because we have a six-year-old and a 14-year-old. And so I go on some of the things with Olivia and, and Pastor Brian goes on some of the things with Josiah and then we switch. And Josiah wants to go on this ride called Superman, only in Mexico City, it's El Superman. Um, I think, I think it was called that. And so I'm looking at this building, and I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, okay, in my head, the way the building looks, I think it's one of those rides that you sit in, and there's like a screen, and it like maybe moves a little, and the screen does things. Have you ever been in a ride like that? No? Okay, so anyway, that's what I thought it was. The line is so long. So it's like out from the building, it's windy, whatever. So Josiah really wants to go on this ride. And so we're waiting in line for this long time, and I'm like, I'm with my 14-year-old son. How many of you parents know? Like, if they want to be with you, it's like gold. And so I'm with him, and we're talking, and I'm so focused on him, and I'm so focused on, I want him to do everything he wants to do today, because I love him, and I care about his plan. And so we're in line, long, long, long line. And all of a sudden, we get like around this corner, and I realize, this is a roller coaster. This is not a ride where you sit inside, and you do like this, and the screen. This is a roller coaster. I'm like okay, I do roller coasters. I can do a roller coaster. Yeah, I can do that. This was not just a roller coaster, okay? So we're, I mean, I had a minute, but I thought, no, my focus was I want Josiah to do everything that he wants to do, and he invited me with him. He said, Mom, will you come on me with this ride? And I was like, yes, I want to. You're inviting me in to your plan. Are you tracking? Okay. And so 
we get there, we get in the seats, and here's the deal. At the time, it was, it's not anymore, at the time, it was the tallest and the fastest roller coaster in North America. Okay? I didn't know that. Good thing. But it wouldn't have mattered a lot because I was focused on doing everything that he wanted to do. At some point in there, I stopped focusing on the goal that I had of I want him to do everything he wants to do. And he invited me into it. And I started going, this is not the way I die. <laughs> right? Like I started, it was like this moment of, I might have, I asked Josiah yesterday, did I say that out loud? Because I remember thinking it. I remember thinking, surely I do not die doing a wonderful thing for my son. Like this is not going to kill me. And honestly, once I kind of got that in my head, like, okay, I am making sure Josiah gets to do everything he wants to do, and I am getting invited into it, I was able to kind of enjoy it, kind of. But I was able to get back to that focus. And this is true when God invites us into something. Sometimes we stand in line going, Lord, I want to give everything. I want to, you're inviting me into your plan. I want everything that you want to do, I want you to have. I want your glory to come on the earth. And we're standing in line and we're like, oh, this line is so long. And we're standing in line, standing in line, and we come around the corner and we go, oh, that's the thing. And I really did have a moment where I go, I don't think, I don't know if I can ride this ride. And I'm contemplating can I, after standing in line this long, can I disappoint my son and say, I can't go on this? And I couldn't. Partially because I'm like, this is not how I'm going to die. I mean, like, I'm like, I know they have safety requirements here, just like the United States, right? But, but, <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is, he invites us into something that is beyond our ability. He invites us into, he says, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to invite you into it, and I have to stay focused on who he is. Because that's the next question. Okay, are you ready? You, you have to help me get to the next question because we are out of time. So we're going to get to the next question. He says, his first question was, who am I? Okay, are you ready? Can you help me listen for the next question? Then he said, I'll be with you. Then Moses said to God, behold... Let's say I'm going to the sons of Israel. That's how I read it. Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel. So I hear him saying, so let's say I'm going to the sons of Israel, hypothetically, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? He's, he says, when they ask who you are, God, what should I say? So there's two questions that we ask when God, in, there's three, but we're not going to get to the third. When he, when he invites us into his plan, one question he asks us, what was the first question? Who am I? Okay. The next question we ask to him is, who are you? Who are you? I love how he's like, I mean, I know who you are, but what if they don't know? Right? Like, if they ask, what should I say? <laughs> Who are you? And this is where it comes into question for us. Are you who you say you are? Are you the God that you say you are? We step into this daunting task that's beyond us. Are you enough? 
Are you my provider? Are you my protector? Are you my defender? Are you my peace? Are you my joy? Are you my love? He's invited us into a plan to love. If, if he, we question, is he enough? Okay, I get it. It doesn't matter who I am because you're going with me. Who are you, God? Are you enough? And so God's answer is, I am. I am. Anything you could need, I am. Anything you need to step into the plan that I'm inviting you into, I am. But God, I'm not. That's okay. I am. But God, I can't. That's okay. I am. And that's what we need to focus on. Who he is. That's why it matters when we worship and we proclaim who he is. How many times, like, have you ever looked at a song and you go, I know, we're singing that he's, this, he's a defender, he's this, he's that. Yeah, because we need to know that he am. We need to remember who he is because he's called us into a plan that is beyond ourselves. He's called us into something we cannot do in our own ability. So we need to recognize it has nothing to do with us. That's grace. It has to do with him, and he is everything we need to step into it. The last thing that we ask, we're just going to shortcut it, because the last place he goes is he goes, okay, great, so you are. Now suppose I go to them and they say, you didn't hear from God, and they don't believe me. The third thing we ask is, what are they going to think? Who are they? And so God may give us a plan that he's inviting us into. We get it resolved that it doesn't matter who I am because you're going to give me the grace and you're going with me. We might even resolve in us that I know who you are. I know that you're going to provide for me in this. But then it comes to telling other people what we're doing. And then all of a sudden that voice that spoke out of a burning bush becomes really quiet compared to this look on a person's face as you share, I think God's calling me to... Whose voice is the most important? God's voice, thank you. Who am I? Doesn't matter, he's going with you. Who, well, who is he? I am, he's everything. Who are they? Not really important compared to what the Lord's speaking to you and releasing you into. So this morning... I want us to recognize that we are called to a life of living beyond ourselves. Do you know, I don't want to do anything that I can do in my own strength. As a body, I don't want us to do anything that we can do in our own strength. Now, it's funny we think we have our own strength. We really don't. I think we're walking in grace all the time that we don't realize is grace. But do you know what I mean? I don't want to do anything that is obvious that it's kind of within our ability with just the giftings that God's given us. And you know what's hard about that? You guys are really amazing, awesome people. You guys are awesome. You guys have a lot of gifts and a lot of talents and a lot of abilities. Do you know what that means? If we want to do something beyond our own ability and our own strength, it's going to have to be pretty huge right? Now, for some of us, some days, 
huge is getting out of bed that morning. Sometimes that's beyond our own ability. Sometimes it's beyond my own ability to love well in that circumstance. Sometimes it's beyond our own ability to honor our moms and dads and to, to do what they ask us or to love our brothers and our sisters when they hurt our feelings or they're being unreasonable or doing that thing again that bugs us. Sometimes it's beyond our own ability to do well in our marriage or to parent or, I mean, really, for being real. We hear all the stories in the Bible of like the deliverer of nations and like Gideon and the army. Do you know how many thousands and thousands of stories reflect the glory of God through, through history of Bible that aren't necessarily recorded here, reflect the glory of God just through loving well, stepping into a business and seeing it succeed, you know, all of those different things. We are called to things beyond our own ability, and sometimes those things aren't leading an entire nation, but sometimes they are. So, what is it? Watch for your burning bush this, this in the coming weeks. Where can you turn aside? And where is he calling you to beyond yourself? For his glory. We talked about this last week. That when I don't have the ability, his grace comes in and then he gets the glory. That is good news for me. Because I don't want to do anything I can do on my own strength. Nothing that matters is what I can do in my own strength. So we as a church and us as individuals, we're looking for, God, what are you calling us to do that's beyond us for your glory? Amen? Amen? Can I just point out that, no, yes. Can I just point out that God was not angry at Moses' questions. God was not angry when he said, well, who am I? He said, it doesn't really matter, me. Well, who are you? Well, here, la, la, la. Well, what if they don't listen? I will give you a sign and they'll listen, whatever. It came down to, after all that, where God said, I'm gonna, God literally had him turn his staff into a snake. He said, put your staff down. It became a snake. And then God said, pick it up. And then it became a staff again. That was part of how he was showing Moses, I'm going to show up for you. And then Moses goes, yeah, but I don't talk good. And God says, I made your mouth. You should read the story. I never saw that part. He goes, I'm, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. And then, after all that, he says, no, send someone else. <laughs> then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. God is not bothered by our questions. God is not bothered by us going, okay, but what about this? What about this? But there is a place where if, if we say, no, I'm not going to do that, that is not... Awesome for him. Right? So ask your questions and get on the ride. This is not the way you die. Nice. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.